welcome to episode 102 of Divided by Werewolves. Um, so Mitch, I have to ask you, how, how do you feel now being in the seat of power at, uh, at your job? Are you like, how, how many people have you fired right now? Yeah, so far I'm pretty close to firing myself, but otherwise no one else. It's... <laughs> How many people have you chastised for not having the cover sheet on their TPS reports? Yeah, that's a daily occurrence. But again, it's a department of one, so I'm just bitching at myself. How many times have you told yourself that if you don't give yourself a hand job, then mm-hmm. your path in the future is going to be severely yeah. limited? Well, here's the thing. Uh... I, like, I like that you don't immediately go with, <laughs> None. Like no, no. That, like let me let me let me explain. You know what? Listen, if the if the <laughs> frequency with which it happens ever drops off, we may have to have that conversation. But so far we're good. So can I tell you this is not this is somewhat <laughs> hand job related. So um so I I bought my wife and I we bought this outdoor kitchen and we got a really good deal on it, which in retrospect may not have been as good of a deal as we thought because it weighs like a million pounds. And it got dropped off on our uh, lanai, and I had to cut out um, part of the back panel to allow for the uh, the plumbing and the gas hookup and the the, the electrical to mm. to work right. And I am, if you were to open up the IKEA cabinets that I have hung in my family room, you would go. He is not good at this. He does not <laughs> know how a tape measure works. So. Um, I, 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 I cut everything. I had to cut things, including I had to like use a jigsaw and cut through like this metal support bar, which I thought you would think, hey, that's probably not a good idea. But sure. the guy who delivered it was like, no, it's fine. You can just cut through the bars. And I was like, I kind of feel like these bars are holding the top on, but sure, right. whatever. So <laughs> I'm, I'm under there and I'm just like sawing with a drywall saw through this... Um, it's essentially, it's like a, it's kind of like a cement backer board, but it's also like non-combustible. So like the grill doesn't like set the whole fucking thing on fire. Right. So I'm like sawing through it and my right hand starts to go numb because there's like no room. I can't get under it. And I'm kind of like at this weird angle. So then I started doing this with my left hand, which has less strength than my right hand. And all I could think of was the Dave Chappelle show skit where he's little John asking himself if he's ever done a stranger <laughs> which if you don't know what a stranger is uh in in little john dave Chappelle parlance a stranger is when you jerk off with your non-traditional hand so if you are right-handed and you typically use your right hand you jerk off with your left hand and it feels weird and it's called the stranger mm. and so that's all i could think of so i'm sawing through the drywall <laughs> trying hard not to laugh because then i would have to explain to my wife who was like nearby going do you need help why i'm laughing so hard at the idea <laughs> of this whole thing so <laughs> and like, have you ever tried a stranger what a stranger what, what? a stranger I know. yes 
First of all, just the mental image of you laughing uncontrollably with yeah. a saw. Yeah, like, under <laughs> under a saw with a with a grill, like under a grill cabinet, just sweat. Just the one thing I've realized since I've moved to Florida is I've become way more heat tolerant because once you just get used to the idea of constantly being being covered in a sheen of your own sweat, it's all cool. Walking out to get the garbage can sheen of your own sweat like (laughs) cooking dinner sheen of your own sweat like once you just kind of get to it and now that my hair is like longer like i haven't cut my hairs i had when i went to i went to see my dad in february before his surgery and i had a work meeting and that was the last one that we did um in person i i cut my hair i haven't cut my hair since february i'm going full-on I'm, I'm I'm gonna live the dream, the Eddie Vedder haircut, and so it just like wicks sweat away from my head and deposits it deposits it in my face on my glasses. Oh. So it's just it's just a it's a joy to look at. It's a it's just a con. It's just wet from head to toe, and I'm cool with it. I'm like, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, Florida. <laughs> exactly. Got used to it. Um. Okay. So. Um, as always, we have a lot to talk about. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> uh, we're going to start off um, on, a, on a somewhat of a somber note, unfortunately. Um, so Friday night, I think we were all shocked to hear um, about the way, 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 way to infinity, uh, too early passing of uh, Chadwick Boseman um, at mm-hmm. the age of 43 from uh, colon cancer. Um, of course... Those of us who are into, you know, comic books and comic book movies, I mean, he's our king. He's T'Challa, uh, yep. Wakanda forever. Um, I think for me, what was there, a lot of things were upsetting to hear about that. Like I, so I remember, so three things happened when Black Panther came out. My son got his driver's license successfully. We celebrated by I took him to go see Black Panther. And then I drove to Alabama to celebrate Mitch's birthday. Um, So all of those things, people I care about deeply, were all tied into that movie. Yeah. I have a tattoo of my my family as Lego minifigures. My son's T-shirt has Black Panther's face on it. And I, my experience with the comics is not nearly as deep as yours. But for me, like Chadwick Boseman was Black Panther. Yeah, hundred um, uh, percent. You know, it's it's, you know, it's kind of the running. I, I talk about it here all the time. But the running joke is that I hate Marvel movies. Um, but you know, like I mentioned, uh, it's it's my third favorite Marvel movie of all time, and that is very much because I love that character so very much and i have for a very like a long time and it's it's me right so it comes down to the fact that he wears a mask and he looks badass and that's like that was my entry point but mm-hmm. uh but and and i'll tell you the first thing i ever bought was this prestige format um uh painted mini series that was meant for mature readers that i didn't realize was a mature reader book mm-hmm. uh, gorgeous painted artwork and he ended up uh Going similarly, going. I can't remember the name of it, but he's like similar to the movie almost. It wasn't Killmonger, but it was this guy who kind of challenged his his you know kingship, and and he had to 
you know, prove himself against this guy. And remember the guy was like bald and had like a goatee mm-hmm. and like sprouted like demon wings and had like claws or something. I don't oh, remember. yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah, what you're talking about. That yeah. was my first Black Panther book, and like all it did was like make me want to know everything about Black Panther. Right. And once I got into the history of that character and and you know learning about Wakanda and like its mm-hmm. place in the Marvel universe and all that, and, and T'Challa's place, you know, uh, I just became infatuated with it so much so that like you know like I, I posted on the Discord, but I have his first appearance. I have. Uh, a tales a super early tales of suspense where he he's fighting Cap and his Jack mm-hmm. Kirby art and everything and it's just like it's a character that I've loved for as long as I've loved comics almost yeah and then Chadwick Boseman's portrayal being what it was it, it, it's probably God, it's it's way up there for me for like uh, an actor portraying a Marvel character that I care for and it being absolutely perfect right. And, and and the thing, too, is, like, you know, there's, you know, I think for a long time, like, for a comic book movie, it was kind of used as, like, a backhanded compliment, right? In the same way that yes. for years, decades, you know, for a horror movie has been used as a backhanded compliment. But, you know, Black Panther is a fantastic movie. It is legitimately... Yep. An extremely well done movie. It's extremely well casted. It's extremely well acted. It it starts from the ground up, where the Ryan Coogler and 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 everybody involved in this movie made an effort to ensure that they understood not just that they had to portray the character faithfully, but they would have. And I don't think this is an exaggeration. Millions of eyes of black men, women, children who mm-hmm. traditionally do not see themselves represented on screen in this capacity watching yep. them. Yep. And they bore the weight of that responsibility to ensure that they were showing black people in flaw as as strong as beautiful as intelligent as funny as flawed as scared as everything all the emotions that we without a second thought allow all white people and to 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 have on camera um and allow them to 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 experience all those emotions and and be fully realized characters um, and they bore it beautifully, and they came out with a mu- with a movie that is it it's it's funny, it's it's got action, it's well acted, it's yeah. it you 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 feel for all of the characters in it, Even and the to villain. know that <laughs> he he was filming that movie while battling. Yeah. St- yeah. I I don't I don't like the word battling when it comes to cancer because I don't think that anyone who passes away from cancer lost. Like yeah. I have a problem with this I this idea of framing anyone who has to deal with that as a winner or a loser because Chadwick Boseman did not lose to so I don't like that word but I'm going to use it anyway. But to think that he had stage 3 colon cancer since 2016 yeah, and so when you consider the roles he undertook, the work that he did yeah. both on screen and off, while at the yes. same time, 
um, dealing with all of this. I I mean, I, I can't imagine and carrying all of that on his shoulders and giving the whole world a hero to emulate. I mean, I just, I can't, I can't imagine. Right. I mean, we were lucky to be able to see what he did in the time that we had, but it's just so heartbreaking to consider what else he could have done. Like what else we still hadn't seen from him. Well, well, not only that, but yeah, just he had, you know, he got, he's what a year older than me or younger than me or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Like just to imagine right now that my life is over. I mean, I talk about it all the time, you know, whatever, but like I, there's still a lot of things I'd like to do and experience. And I have kids who I want to, to see, you know, grow up and, and, Right. And do things, and for him to have given as much of himself uh, to his craft, and, and to entertain, and to inspire, knowing that that's time he could have spent, you know, with family and doing other things, like he, like you said, oh yeah, he most certainly recognized the cultural impact and importance of that character that he was, you know, lucky enough to be able to portray, and he most certainly did not take that lightly, uh, and it, it certainly shows in the things that he did. Uh, like you said, like not even just in the movies, but outside of it, you know, visiting sick kids as T'Challa and, and doing all these things. Mm-hmm. It just speaks to uh, the character that he had mm-hmm. and what just an amazing human being he was and how selfless he was. Right. Uh, and it, you know, like it, and in, like in so many other instances when it comes to cancer or anything else, it's just not fucking fair. Right. You know, that's what it all comes and down to. And especially like, you know. So, and I could tell you because, I mean, I just, I just had a doctor's appointment. I'm 48. And he said, oh, you're not 50. You know, you don't need to have a colonoscopy. And unfortunately, you know, black men have, get colon cancer at a higher mm. rate. And in many cases, because if you're under 50, it's not paid for. So you've got to pay for mm-hmm. this colonoscopy out of pocket. But yet it saves lives. With anything with cancer, early detection saves lives. And then unfortunately, yep. and I'm not talking about purely among black males but this is just about men in general i mean anything regarding your asshole there's that kind of underlying level of homophobia that like hey i can't have a doctor sticking his finger up there or a camera up there i don't want to be gay or whatever and it's like look i'll take a dick in the ass every day if it means i live to 120 straight up i don't give a fuck i ain't even about like it ain't even like that right like it's you have to do what's right for you. You have to get yeah. tested. You have well, to I mean, be, you have to be aware of the risks and and yeah. be an advocate for yourself. Yeah, but, I hundred percent agree. Not only based on the fact that again, like I have children who I love very much, and I don't want to, you know, leave this world with them already. Right? Uh, you know what I mean? Like not, you know. Like my time to be over, and also what I do for a living. So, like I, ain't, I've seen literally every single inch of right. the human body, both inside and out. So right. I ain't worried about none of that. <laughs> right. But I, but think, I agree with you. Right. I think that you know, kind of going back to the importance of Black Panther as a movie is, um, you know, unfortunately, we as a country we view black people through the lens of their pain so often right like and it's and it's because of you know just culturally or how the movies choose to portray them but also 
I mean, we can't go what a month. Oh yeah, man. two weeks without a video popping up of of someone, you know, being shot, being choked, being yep. um, assaulted by police for offenses that would not have right elicited yeah. the same response if they had been white, and that. I mean, I cannot imagine this, just this, and I mean, I don't, the psychic pain of an individual in the black community who is frequently has to see those things, but then also has to reconcile with it and say to themselves, well, what am I supposed to do? If the police ask me to stop, am I supposed to follow their orders and get shot to death in front of my, my girlfriend and my kids like Philando Castile? Am I supposed to walk back to my car? and get shot seven times in the back, like Jacob Blake, what am I supposed to do? If I cooperate, I could get killed. If I don't yeah. cooperate, I will be killed. Right. And yeah, that, there was a picture I saw this, not to cut you off, but a, a picture I saw this morning that, that it, it was absolutely heartbreaking, but it also puts into perspective exactly still after all this time where we are in this world right now. And it was um, a person who took a picture of their little boy. It was, it was a, 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 it was a black mom took a picture of their little boy and he had set up his Avengers toys, uh, you know, in a circle and was standing there with his arms crossed with tears coming out of his eyes. Mm -hmm. And then she described the conversation that she had to have with her child. I think she said he was eight. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she said, she had to tell him, you know, what happened. And the first thing he asked was, was it the police? Was it Mm -hmm. something? It was several things he had. He listed off before she got, she had, she explained to him that it was colon cancer. And that is the worst thing. Mm -hmm. Like I have read, I was just, Mm -hmm. if anybody who, who questions, you know, the right and wrong of any of this shit to, to, if you can read that and mm-hmm. that not open your fucking eyes, then like you're heartless. You're 100% right. Heartless. Right. And I think that like, I, so I, I'm, I joked about this to Mitch before we started, but I mean, the reality is this, I feel like this election is the most important election that I will personally have participated in, in my lifetime. And really does come down to, you know, kind of how you feel about kind of how people should be treated. The fact of the mm-hmm. matter is Jacob Blake was shot seven times in the back while getting in a car with his three kids. And the police mm-hmm. say, oh, well, he had a knife. But you know what? I carry a knife. It's a pocket knife. Do you think the cops yeah. are going to shoot me seven times in the back as I get in the car to my yeah. kids? Probably right. not. Several days later... Kyle Rittenhouse, I probably got his name wrong, a 17-year-old kid, a 17-year-old kid. He is a child. Mm-hmm. Took, a, took an AR-15 that he owned, which, by the way, is illegal. He crossed two state lines to protect businesses. You don't, and I'm going to paraphrase Trevor Noah right here, you do not cross two state lines with a with a submachine gun, semi-automatic, whatever the fuck you want to call it, to protect a business. When have you ever thought about, oh man, I'm really worried about that fucking target. You are doing right. that because you are hoping that you can shoot someone. He yep. killed two people. He wounded a third. He got a 
He got a thank you from the police. He got a yep. water bottle. And he got th- a delayed trial by 30 fucking days so he can hire a private lawyer. If mm-hmm. you can't look at the difference in the way these two individuals were treated and not think that there is something wrong, then I honestly do not know what to tell you. And if you want to go even further and you want to say, fine, every time a young black man is killed by the police or or hurt by the police, and we pull out their criminal record to find out all the things that they've done wrong as if cops are psychic and somehow know right. when they roll up on a young black man all the things that he's done that potentially would warrant deadly force. Let's look mm-hmm. at Kyle Rittenhouse's warrant off. Four, uh, four uh, arrests or, inter- or altercations with the police, and he's not even 17. Do you know what one of them was? Mm. Failure to comply with an officer's orders. Mm. Failure to come. You think about, and, and, and we could list names for how long of young black right. men that have been shot or killed because they did not comply with an officer's orders. And this kid, and I, I am so torn about this kid because he got fucking brainwashed any 17 year old who travels across straight lines with an ar-15 to protect businesses which Mm. by the way is illegal a 70 year old owning an ar-15 is illegal i don't know about the legality of transporting it across straight lines but using deadly force to protect a business that is not your own is illegal and look at what look at the difference and then you look at our president who has no words to condemn Kyle Rittenhouse. None at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. But, but wants to, to say, oh, well, and, and, and when we look at like protesters clashing, now I am not going to sit here and say that every single person who is involved with the Black Lives Matter movement is 100% uh, innocent. Like, unfortunately, this is what happens when you have a movement that doesn't have a leader, is somewhat formless. That's when you get these fucking dumb white kids in, I think it was D.C. or whatever, that are forcing this one diner to raise their fist yeah. in solidarity, right? But you also, unfortunately, get people who are using these movements, these protests as cover to stir shit up, to, to loot shit, break shit, fuck shit up, hope that maybe the, the cops turn their way towards uh, the, the black and the brown folks. But the, when, when, when you are saying that you have a group and their mission, their, their message is that black people matter too, that's it. It's not black lives matter more. It's just that they matter. And we yeah. should treat them as if they matter. And you have supporters of the president protesting against them, clashing with them. What is there to protest? What of that right. sentiment is there to disagree with? What right. is there to get violent about? It is simply a community saying we don't want to die. We mm-hmm. want the same thing that you do, that if a police officer pulls us over, we want to have a reasonable expectation that we are going to leave that situation alive. Mm-hmm. That's it. What is there to disagree with? What is there to clash over? And I'm sorry, I will let every fucking target in this world burn to the fucking ground if it means that one more person who shouldn't have been killed by a police officer doesn't get killed. And it doesn't matter the color of their skin. I don't care. I don't care about property. And, And But also, you have to look, you have to ask yourself whether it is reasonable to expect people of color who fucking built this country's economy 
through labor that they were not paid for. Mm. To give a shit about a target? Are you fucking kidding me? For them to care as much about a business as you do, they had no part in making it. Their labor was stolen in the first place hundreds of years ago. They cannot participate in the democratic process, democratic process the way that we do. They are policed differently than we are. They are held to a different standard than we are. And you're asking them to care about a business the same way that we do? That makes no fucking sense. So, it... What we have right now is we have a situation. We have a president saying the violence and, and the anger that is happening in my country that I preside over right now will not happen when I am president. Motherfucker, you are president. This is happening under your watch right now, and you are doing nothing to stop it, to help it, to come to an understanding as to what causes it. And if you think it's going to go away, it's not going to, because we have to have a serious conversation with ourselves about what this all means, and it is Mm. not going to happen with the person who is in office right now. Keep in mind, the person who is in office right now wants this violence because he feels as if it gives him a political edge. So I'm going to end this right now because I could go for hours, and I know people don't want to hear that, but I will say this right now. If you live in a state that allows you to vote by mail, get your ballot early, send it in, and if there is any way where you can guarantee that your ballot was received and counted, make sure it happens. Mm-hmm. If you are allowed uh, to vote absentee and, and it applies to you, get that shit figured out sooner rather than later. Send in your ballot. Because if you, are, if you have the right to vote by mail, there is no need for you to put yourself at risk uh, by going to a polling station but you 100% have to make sure that your vote is counted. And the only way to do that is, unfortunately, to, to do a little bit of work yourself and, and do that work. There are resources online. You can find out what the voting situation is in your individual state. Um, and you can make sure that your vote is counted. Because whether you are a Trump voter or a Biden voter or a Green Party voter or whoever you are, as an American citizen, your right, does your vote deserves to be counted full stop so just yep. do what you need to do to make sure that happens okay let's do fun stuff <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt like I was really good I kept my tone measured I wanted to yell but I was like nope I gotta keep it keep it down keep it down keep it down alright <laughs> I am increasingly uh impressed with Ghost of Tsushima and yeah. I feel like um, and I don't I don't I'm not I'm not one of these dudes who like shit on reviewers like I tell you full stop like oh oh that reminds me I need to make sure we talk about that too reviewers like people who like review a game like man they got they, they have to fucking rush through this shit and they don't have yeah. all the time in the world but I fucking love this game and I love how this game I mean, if you wanted to look at it as some sort of like historic, you know, historical accuracy, blah blah blah. Of course not, absolutely not. But right. I love how this game unfolds and how it deals with Jin, Jin's very complicated relationship with his father who died when he was young, 
and the rigidity mm. of the code he was expected to follow and just this feeling of i think anybody who gets you know a certain age and and, you, and your parents start to get older you start to question like where i mean a couple of things happen one is you you start to realize that like like when you're young you just feel like your parents don't know anything right and then you get sure. older and maybe you have kids and you're like oh okay i more understand why they did what they did and sometimes you don't because what they did was like horribly shitty right like <laughs> but sometimes you do and you're like okay i get it i wouldn't have done it that way myself but i kind of get it and i love that this game kind of tackles some of that stuff because we don't really see that in games but i also mm-hmm. love that like you play this game and like abilities happen and you don't even know they're going to happen because sometimes like you can see like oh well this tree is grayed out so i'll probably get that but in this game that happens but also you get stuff and you're like i had no idea that was coming and i just i just i fucking love it and 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 i understand some of the reviews because in terms of like adding to the open world genre does it really add a lot Eh, maybe not you know you get Mm -hmm. this thing it was in this game or that thing in this game but i fucking love it like i love it i love playing it i love gin i love the fact i love the setting i love the combat i love everything about it and i am like i want to play it but i don't want to play it because i don't want it to end but we are all if you own this game you are getting a free four player co-op mode yeah. where i can be a samurai and go into some fucking demon dimension and kick some demon ass are you fucking kidding me hell <laughs> fucking yes Bring yeah. that shit, homie. I don't even give a fuck when it comes. Right. And I fucking love it. I love this game. I like so far, this is my favorite game of 2020. Nice. Yeah, I'm pretty just, jealous. I really want it. Like, I've not bought it yet just because I've, I've made a focused effort to make myself play some of the other stuff that I bought and not played. Right. But I'm like, man, and I just got Death Stranding and something else and a few other things that I'm so behind on but yeah. because of Destiny. But I also, you know, I love this genre of game. Not open world, but like, you know, I'm the reason I bought Sekiro is because I hate the Souls games, but I fucking love Tenchu. And like, yeah. I love anything with like ninjas or samurais, feudal Japan, all that shit. It's like, that's so in my wheelhouse. If... I get to play in that world the way I want to. And this game is like, it's just, it just checks so many boxes for me that I, I know I'm going to end up getting it next. And, and I'll probably put everything else on hold for that. You know, the thing that I do and I, and I get it like, like how dumb it is, but also not like the amount of detail and work that, and I don't know what, position it would be but the folks that come up with like all the armor and stuff i mean mm-hmm. oh my god i i got this new armor set and i just was going through all the different like you know color schemes and i just was like mm-hmm. just marveling at the intricate detail which if you've ever seen like samurai armor like in a museum i mean it is incredibly fucking detailed it is it is amazing but just how much of that was recreated in this game and the different color schemes and all that stuff and I mean, I just was like, I think it was like Friday night. I was like, that's badass. And I go to the next one. That's badass. It was like, it's like you're playing with yeah. dolls. You're like, this outfit's amazing. And that's fine. I'm cool with that. <laughs> yeah, Destiny. Yeah, exactly. What the fuck? That's oh, yeah, I watched the video for like the stasis stuff. And I was like, you know what? I don't like snow, yeah. but I'm totally digging that Ice Climbers aesthetic. Like, let's fucking yep. do it. <laughs> yep. 
That's all it is. That's yeah. why I've been doing the same shit week after week for six fucking years. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I can maybe get that piece of armor that I've been wanting or maybe get yeah. that shaker that will set my armor off and shit right. like that. It's just yep. stress up. Yep. But, I mean, this game <laughs> continues to impress. I, I don't want it to end, but I also want to keep playing it. Um, I did finish <laughs> Fast and Furious Crossroads. Nice. Um, it is not a good game. No. <laughs> not. But here's the thing. It made me, I think, I figured out why I kept playing it. Because I was like, this is not a good game. It's frustrating. It's annoying. There's long stretches of dialogue that are incredibly annoying. Then there's stretches where nobody's talking and you're like, is this thing on? Like, is the audio working? <laughs> and it, and I realized what it was the reason that I was playing it one is that as anybody who's listened to me you know beyond my bullshit for the past however many fucking years like I love the Fast and Furious franchise I love it to death like I love it to death and whoever the people that wrote this game had a deep understanding of the franchise to where they could write dialogue and things for callbacks of different movies and I fucking love they did that but more (laughs) importantly this game brought me back to a time pre-crash, pre-housing market crash, pre-all my friends that did fucking amazing work as writers, losing their jobs and having to go find other careers. The These days when a summer tentpole movie, which, hey, remember summer tentpole movies? Well, mm-hmm. eh, uh, <laughs> would come out and there would be a shitty video game tie-in mm-hmm. that would come out with it. Yep. And I would always ask to be the person who reviewed them because here's the thing. If you're going to get paid $50 for a review, you want a game that ends in four hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just math. It's right. just math because the $50 check that you get from GameShark is the exact same whether you paid a $4 Iron Man game on the Wii, or sorry, a four-hour Iron Man game on the Wii, or you paid Dragon Quest Two, which is a 50-hour RPG epic. So right. I do that fucking math all day, every day. I would ask to get these movie tie-in games, and were they fucking terrible? Yes, they were. And did they mm-hmm. pay? Yes, they did. But it was also, it was like, it was just a different time. It was when when studios had money to spend on dumb shit like this and Mm. magazines and online outlets had money to spend for people to review shit like this. And that is a time that is gone and it's never coming back. Right. Like it's never coming back. Honestly, the last movie tie-in game I remember is the movie tie-in game for the Captain America, which honestly wasn't that bad of a game. Mm Mm-hmm. And this movie felt like kind of coming back to that because if everything had happened the way it was supposed to, there would have been a Fast and Furious movie this summer. And this game would have somewhat kind of indirectly tied into it. And it still would have been terrible. Right. But it would have had that that vibe of remembering kind of when studios and magazines and outlets were willing to pay. And I have so many people that did such a great job writing for games that now are doing other jobs because it just simply isn't sustainable. And that makes me sad. And I think that's why I played it for as long as I did, because it felt like something from 
15 years ago when, or 16 years ago, when these shitty tie, and I mean, for the consumer, God, not great. Yeah. Okay, just let me just put that out there. For the consumer, not great. Right. But these movie tie-in games would come out, and, and I would play them, and I would review them. And then I would go to E3 with my friends, and we would all talk about how things, and, oh, do you see this, or you see that? And it just it just felt like a different time. Yeah. And I missed, I missed that time. And that's why I played it. And, and, and while I didn't... And, but also, I miss... Arcade racers, mm. right? Like I miss a good or like same, yeah. I miss it. I miss a. I want to burn out paradise in twenty twenty, but not a remastered on the switch, like a new one. Yeah, you know, I don't want to tune. I don't need to know. I I don't need to know what a half centimeter difference in this fucking I thing agree. or <laughs> the other. It, I'm a terrible driver. It doesn't fucking matter. But like, yeah. uh, it, and so it was like, I played it longer than I should have. Because it felt like I could go back in time to when things weren't as bad. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a great oh, game. Like, don't don't play it. Only a couple things I could Don't play it. Uh, one of them is that I'm the type of person who would go to a movie and really enjoy it and then go straight to GameStop and buy those shit games. Yeah. And, and played them for free. So like, I didn't get paid to play Transformers, but I played the fuck out of it after I yeah. saw the movie. You know, stuff like that. Like, I enjoyed that shit. And then the other thing for an arcade racer, that's what got me into uh, uh, Forza Horizon, uh, those games, is is those games are not Sims. They're mm-hmm. very much, uh, I never have to break. You know, I, I bounce off of other cars when I go through turns and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. that's why I appreciate that series the way I do. Yeah, Driver San Francisco is the last... Okay, so there's Driver San Francisco, and that came out at the same time as, like, whatever Need for Speed game that Criterion did. Mm-hmm. Um, those two games came out at roughly... I have I got 700 achievement points in Driver San Francisco, which is a fucking amazing game. Mm-hmm. It is an amazing game, and if you missed it on 360, you should fucking play that shit, because it is an amazing game. I got every single player achievement in that game i got 700 points which at the time i was whoring for achievements a c are you kidding me i don't get out of bed for less than a fucking a minus but i fucking earned every single one of those achievements and when i finally got the last one because it was a race that was a son of a bitch and i did it in the family room and i yelled so loud my kids thought something was wrong and i was like no this is what happiness looks like i know you're not used to seeing it but this is what it is (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Same thing for the Need for Speed. There was a gold medal, gold medal race with a, um, I don't know, some Swedish fucking um, like high performance car, and you had to you. There was a way to cheat so that you could get all the upgrades for it. And even then, and I, oh my god, I spent so long doing that fucking race. Those achievements, I remember them being just the hardest fought and just the best feeling when you finally got them because mm. it just meant you did and this i remember it was a conan's a conansburg that's that was the name of the car i'm probably slaughtering it and i would do it and my wife would be like she would watch me and i would do like five seconds restart 
10 seconds mm. restart because I'm, yep. cause she's like, why are you restarting? I was like, because I know I took that turn wrong. I right. know. And she's like, you don't know. And I was like, no, I know. I hit that guardrail. I know that shaved three hundredth seconds off the clock. Right. That's the difference. And I did the fucking Konigsberg, the golden uh, lap or whatever the fuck it was. And I came out of this last corner and I scraped the guardrail. And I thought for sure that I'd fucking missed it. And and Matt Peters, who I love to death, he had a phrase a ch. It's not a cat hair. I'll just leave it at that. If if yeah. something was by the slimmest margin, it was a CH. I hit that fucking gold medal time by a CH because I came out of that last turn and I scraped the guardrail and I didn't stop it. I kept going and I and I remember feeling I felt like like God, like like the <laughs> finger of God had touched me on the forehead. For me, for my money, there is no greater feeling of accomplishment than those things on racing games. Mm. But yet I can't yep. do Sims because I'm so bad. Yeah, same here. So bad. Yep. All right. Uh, I finished Carrion, which is fucking great, except, mm-hmm. except, except I need a map. Yep. <laughs> I need a map. I will tell you uh, 100% the movement in that game better than probably most games I've ever played. Uh-huh. Riding an elevator in Carrion as a full-on pulsing mass of mouths, yeah. I laughed my ass off yep. to squeeze <laughs> this body into an elevator and then shoot out a tentacle and hit a switch and ride the elevator up like I'm going to the fucking like, lingerie department at Neiman Marcus. <laughs> like, what the fuck is that? I know. But there, and it was great and the feeling like there is a feeling that you get when you are when you get to the 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 end of Carrion and you are fully you are as upgraded and it do, it doesn't matter who is in the room. Yeah. And you roll in and you're just mouths and spikes and tentacles and you are just destroying everything. In the room, every person, every droid, every every countermeasure, you are just a pulsating mass of flesh and destruction. And it is like nothing that you have played in a game before. Yep. And then you spend 15 minutes because you don't know where to go. Yep. <laughs> and you're passing through buttholes to other buttholes. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know where to go. I just want to go. I want to move on to the next place. And it is the only thing that I feel really held it back is because sometimes it's just I don't have the memory to remember one room from the next. And then I got to go online. And then they're trying to tell me where to go based on shit. What's like, go to the lab room. Well, what fucking room was that? Right. Yep, <laughs> but it is uh, it is a fantastic game. If you um, if you're a Game Pass subscriber, it is free for you. Well, it's not free for you. You're already paying for it, so fucking play it. Right, might as well um, play it exactly. It's not it's not a Metroidvania in as uh-huh. strict a sense as what you might be used to. You do have to backtrack some to get some 
uh, either abilities or just unlock a door here or there. But for the most part, it's fairly linear. Where it ends up, the backtracking would be if you want to... There's like... Um, things you can get that make your life a little easier, but you don't have right. to do them. And and to your point, you had mentioned this before, there are some difficulty spikes, but I mean, the feeling of power that you get as you progress and and, and knowing, hey, I gotta like, the, the genius of it is knowing that I need to drop some of myself off, which lowers my hit points, lowers what I can do uh, so that I have this different set yes. of abilities to get right. past this part. But then I'm gonna come back and oh, you ain't seen shit yet, motherfucker, because you wait till I get back to that pond where I have three sets of biomass deposited and I fucking consume that shit. You ain't yeah. seen shit yet, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Very well done. Just ve- But yeah. I need a map. I'm old. Same. That's the only complaint I have. It's literally that. Yeah. And so for you, we, we talked about this, so... And, and we'll get into this more later on, but Angela had never played Destiny? Is that? She had played, briefly played D1 and didn't like so many people, uh, you know, didn't understand that to fully in, understand Destiny 1, you had to read, you know, <laughs> articles and watch yeah. YouTube videos. And like, because the game doesn't teach you how to play it. And so she right. did what I did initially and she played through the story and it was over. And she was like, well, that kind of sucked. And then if it hadn't been for my job in IT, I probably would have been the same way with Destiny. I'd be like, man, that was not what they said it was going to be. And I would have put it down and never played it again. Uh, So now her having gotten into D2 the way she did, and we played a lot of D2 together uh, over like from the beginning of D2, essentially. um, Yeah, she had Destiny 1, and I've done stuff all of D2 other than like some of the in game stuff that I don't have a fire team to do uh, to the extent to where I could almost do it blindfolded. And uh, she mentioned, you know, maybe you start in D1. And I was like, you know what? I would be happy to play through D1 because I want to do those strikes again, the Archon Priest and Omnigal and all those things. I remember doing uh, Sept- Septicus, Septimus Prime. Septics. Septics Prime. Septics. I, I was, I, I, anything that has Prime at the end of it, I think, is right. a Transformer. Just <laughs> Septimus. Septimus Prime. Septimus. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that that would be. I would. That, you know what? I would. I still. I still have the disc. I never got rid of it because I loved it so much. Yeah. I. I that would, God. That would be fascinating to. Exactly. That's my draw to it. So uh, like it was a, a different time, like the loot cave. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah, you know we've been playing this game for so long, six years, going on seven. So and yeah, so many memories and so many like uh-huh. you and I. I think like this podcast was because you and I were playing Destiny together. Like that's what got us yeah. together. Was yeah, Destiny. that's so. What, you that was it. it was absolutely that because it was like we. You know, we used to DM back on XBLF. Yeah. Uh, and then lost touch. Not necessarily lost, yeah, lost touch. Lost touch, but I don't think we were. I don't day. think we were as close back then as we are now. Right. And it was it was get the Halo Three. Uh-huh. We did the that run through that, and then with Coach and Matt then, and Petey. Right. Yep. 
and then talking about Destiny. And I was like, we're getting the band back together to play yes. Destiny or whatever, right? Yeah. And we've spoken pretty much daily since then. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's why, like, I will, like, I, I'm glad, like, I am glad I don't have the responsibility of reviewing things critically anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I loved it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, like, so Brian Rao, who was a writer at the same time that I was for Game Shark, and when I think about, like, all the people, like, who fucking came out of Game Shark and I got to know them, like, oh my God, it's a fucking talented bench well he had like tweeted out today that it's been like two years since he's done stuff in games he's finishing up his nursing classes like brian rao was like a fucking amazing dude and we used to hang out at e3 and i think of all the people that i you know kind of knew from that time but like you know it was it was a different time but like like when i think about all the stuff from destiny that we've done and i'm so glad i don't have to review things critically because i don't have to determine whether or not something is necessarily good i just have to recognize is this something i could do with my friends that Uh makes me happy right Uh and i mean like we've had so many great like i will forever be grateful to the people at at bungie for making this game as many mm-hmm. as much as it like frustrated me because at the end of the day I will always come back to it. I will always come back to it. Yep. I'm excited for Beyond Light and I'm sure there'll be some bullshit. And I may not come back to it like as strong as you do or doing this thing or this quest or whatever, but I will always mm-hmm. come back to it because like so much of so many things, so many positive things and memories and experiences. Like I remember doing the raid <laughs> with John <laughs> And he was like, <laughs> essentially said, like, you two fucking idiots, you yeah. go over there where you yep. can do the least amount of damage. And we were like, okay, like, Got it. <laughs> just fucking <laughs> drunk off of our asses, just like yep. standing there next to a glowing circle. Am I supposed to be in the circle? Are you supposed to be in the circle? I don't know. And he had, he was like an, or, like, like a fucking, um, like a conductor conducting yeah. an orchestra, but yep. but the string section was drunk and 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 didn't know, never Worthless. practiced. <laughs> but somehow, and we're just like, okay, like I yep. like that night was so much fun. Like I loved it. Like I just mm-hmm. it's, and so many nights where we've just like got together just to shoot the shit and fucking complain about this out of the other and. Yeah. And it's it's all in destiny, and so I'm like super excited for you and Angela. I I can't wait to hear um, what you end up doing. Um, I think that that's going to be great. Yeah, I'm excited. Like you know, like you know, cross save is is D two only. So, and I realized that when I logged into Destiny one of the Xbox, and I was like, oh, no that's shit. right. I don't know I if believe- I would remember that. I played the shit out of Destiny on PlayStation, but on Xbox, I didn't play it as much Uh because the Xbox didn't work at the hospital, but the PS4 did. (laughs) I love that 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 was your determining factor. What console worked at my place of employment? Yeah, for whatever reason, the the Wi-Fi at the ho- the the guest network at the hospital did not like Xbox, but it loves PlayStation. So there you go, folks. So Here's I was your- like, I was like looking for my Gallerhorn. I was like, where the fuck is my Gallerhorn? Oh, I probably never got that on Xbox. There's your uh, if you if you want to know what console to get, just you know pick the one that works best with hospital Wi-Fi. 
Yeah. You know what? Whichever one lets you play the most at work when you're supposed to be doing other <laughs> shit. I used to like I remember there was there was a point so this was back when I had a Vita and um mm. I opened up all the ports on my Vita uh. because I had heard that you could get like shit in the raid. You could get like raid chests and I remember mm-hmm. like like logging in at work. <laughs> and, and my Vita to go do like do the beginning of this one raid because you could like get like chests and shit. Yeah, and I was like, if if I God, I hope nobody shows up because. <laughs> 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 oh shit! Yeah. All right, uh, movies. We have a four to talk. The first one is uh, very brief. So uh, we we had talked about before. Uh, if you don't have a Shutter subscription, go ahead and get one. Um, so this was a uh, In Search of Chaos. It is a documentary. Uh, sorry. Is it? I thought it was In Search it's of Chaos. Dark. Do I always do it's the darkness. wrong thing? It's darkness, know. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's expected at this point. In Search exactly. of Darkness. So it is a documentary about essentially the era, the 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 uh, decade of the eighties um, and what it meant for horror movies. And it is, I mean, they, they talk to a lot of uh, filmmakers, uh, mm-hmm. actors, actresses, you know, makeup folks, you know, th- the guy from screen rags, he never stops his uh, documentary voice. <laughs> oh yeah. Ben from fright rags. Yeah. From fright rags. Yeah. 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 I'm, yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, you know, <laughs> pump the brakes there, son. Like you're not, but so, um, uh, yeah, yeah. But it is. I mean, we talked about it before. It, you know, I think you you uh, said it perfectly. It is a mile wide and an inch deep. Yeah, um, there. Is- it's just it's just too ambitious for what it is. I understand wanting to make a documentary about horror in the eighties because that was the golden age, right? For 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 people our age, especially like that's. What we always go back to. It's the thing. It's like, you know, Halloween. Well, Halloween was 70s. But anyway, it's like what we grew up watching. And it is an amazing trip down like memory lane for people who grew up watching it, who already know a lot of the stories. But that becomes a problem when you're showing it to an audience that maybe didn't grow up then. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they start talking about a movie and they have a guy talk about it and you get interested in it and they're like, oh, but then next there was this thing. Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, but I was still listening to that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know? And so, like, if you're just looking to get into 80s horror and you want to make a list of things or, that's or maybe. What I, that's exactly what I did. I'm glad you mentioned that. That's exactly what I did. I have a notepad. Well, it's not notepad, but. Uh, on my Mac, and it has a list of movies. I was like, oh, I need that one. I need that one. And I've watched so many things. I watched The Burning. I watched Sleepaway mm-hmm. Camp, which, by the way, mm-hmm. was majorly <laughs> fucked up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, recently, I watched The Changeling, which I was like, that's mm-hmm. a fucking great movie. And it made me think great about movie. how many movies, how many ghost-specific movies do we yeah. Have we seen? And I was like thinking about this out of the other. And if you want to make a list of like, to your point of these are the movies I should watch, it's fucking fantastic. And so many that was like, I remember watching that. I remember renting that. I remember my friend had a bootleg of that. Yep. It's perfect for that. It's perfect for that specific reason. If you're looking for a deep dive into these movies, this is not the documentary for you. No. Uh, And the other thing is, 
if you're interested in what Corey fucking Taylor thinks about anything, we probably shouldn't be friends. Uh, but also, this is a documentary okay, for so you. Okay, who, so who is Corey Taylor? Remind oh, me of that. God. He's the lead singer of Slipknot. Oh, yeah. Why do you not care about oh, what he thinks? Give shit. That dude's so fucking cheesy to me. Really? He's so he's so lame. All you have to do is look up the, the first single off of his new solo record. Because uh, I which don't know is, anything about metal. His solo record is called CMFT. And the first single is when he shouts... Uh, about how I'm, it's like it's the most kid rock thing you've ever seen that doesn't have kid rock in it. it it's garbage. And I've been saying that dude was corny forever. And people are like, no, he's fucking hardcore. Okay, bro. Like, tell me that now. Watch that fucking video and I, then come tell me how hardcore he is. I thought he was like, I, I, I thought he was Ugh. like a horror thing. Like, I, okay, so, now, so just, just, just so that we're aware. So everybody's on the same page. Sorry, like, Mitch yeah. knows metal. I don't. Like, I was excited that um, Metallica did another record with the San Francisco um, Symphony Orchestra because I sure. I play <laughs> No Leaf Clover uh, to annoy my kids. Nice. Because my favorite part of the one that we got 20 years ago with the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra is at the end of No Leaf Clover when James Heffitt goes, Yeah! <laughs> yep. So I will play No Leaf Clover, and then it's just an excuse for me to go, Yeah! <laughs> for the rest of the evening as much as I want. So it's just, but it's I also like I I listen like I fucking love Metallica when there's an orchestra behind it. Not like I yeah. remember the video for like one and like when when like the black album came out, I was in college sure. like into life right whatever. <laughs> you know whatever. Like but like I'm not metal like you are. Like I'm not I'm not hardcore. I'm I'm so softcore. It's like well, also to to refer to me not liking Slipknot as being hardcore is not hardcore at all. <laughs> They're pretty mainstream. But are they really Slipknot? Uh, they wear like yeah, those uh, fucking masks and shit. Dude, come seem, on, man. Yeah, but also like you can go to mainstream to me. You can go to Walmart and buy a fucking Slipknot lunchbox, dude. Come on, <laughs> they're not hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> Can you really? Because I would. I, I hate. I love working from home. I would totally go work in an office if I could go there with a Slipknot lunchbox. I'm just saying, like they're so commercial. Are it's, they really? Okay. Yes, yes. But they For all have different. They have different masks, and didn't like somebody die, and they all. You don't know who's who. Like isn't that isn't it like uh, somebody died, and then Corey Taylor went on a VH1 tattoo show, and he laid there and cried like a bitch while they <laughs> gave him a tattoo. And I was just like, get the fuck! This is so fucking staged. This is this is just theatrics. He like, cried I, while he got a tattoo. Was it like on yeah. his balls or something? No, it was on the back of his leg, but it was in honor of because the, like guy the, that, the guitarist guy died or something, right? I have no idea. To be honest with you, I don't. So I, he's I not. He's not a thing. No, he sucks. It, does he to really? Me, to me, I mean, well, why? People... Why? Why would then? Why didn't? Why? The, I, okay, so here's the thing. I would expect anybody who's in like any sort of like metal or black metal band to be like a fan of horror movies. Like it seems like it's like comes with the territory. So why would they ask him to be a part of this documentary? Well, so I'm going to sound like I'm just I'm a hater. That's fine because I, I'm not though. He j- he's so corny. He sucks. It's not. It's just. Here's the thing, dude. Here's what it is. All right. It's. J- I know. 
I'm going to sound like they didn't ask me to be on it. Of course not. I'm nobody. But I'm just saying, okay, out of all the people that I know mm-hmm. who – so uh, this is a perfect example. There's okay. a perfect example for this, okay? Okay, okay they asked – I love this conversation, by the way. Can I just tell you how, how much I love <laughs> this conversation? I sound like such a fucking asshole. I'm not trying to be. Nonsense. But, no. But – Okay, I, I follow. I have followed lots of people uh, for a long time on the internet when it comes to the horror finger quote community, right? Sure. And so, when good things happen to people that I know have been working their ass off, sure, to be a voice in that capacity, mm-hmm. Heather Heather Wixon is a perfect example of this. Uh, and I, I've followed her forever on mm-hmm. everything. You know, okay. she knows what she's talking about. She loves horror. She also routinely talks about how writing horror articles and attempting to do what she does, what she loves for a living, doesn't always help them pay their rent. Sure. So, yep. you know, stuff like that, right? And so when she showed up in In Search of Darkness, I was legit excited. Like, I squealed. I was so excited. Uh, and then... I logged on to Facebook because I got a, a notification uh, on the werewolves page, which nobody looks at, but I still get notifications about it. And the first thing I see, uh, it was Friday. The first thing I see is a still from Bill and Ted face the music with a quote from her on it. Uh-huh. And I was so excited. I literally screamed. You can go to my Twitter and look at the interaction. Mm-hmm. I screen grabbed it and tweeted at her and I said how fucking awesome it was. Mm-hmm. And she hadn't seen it. Mm-hmm. And she got excited, right? So for somebody like that to have been in a search of darkness is amazing. Right. Amazing. To uh, to then reach out to Corey fucking Taylor, who is this douchey uh, fucking self-important jackass singer from an overrated band. Just They're just popular because they wear fucking masks. I talked about this on, mm-hmm. on the show. You can just deep dive for werewolves if anybody remembers it. Every new Slipknot record sounds like somebody hit record when a train <laughs> ran into the fucking bus that had their instruments on it. <laughs> and then and then Corey Taylor just screams out of tune over that noise. Uh-huh. It's like you don't need 73 people in a band with one asshole trying to <laughs> scream over them. That's not music. That's just shit. It's noise. Right. And that's what they Sorry, I'm done in rant. No, but the, but I think that's no, but but I think you bring up you bring up a valid point where sometimes with these type of things, um, asking a more famous person to be attached to it brings what the filmmakers might consider a greater sense of legitimacy to it. I get that. I do, and and there's another example of that is that Dead Meat James showed up in it as much as he did. Okay, and, and YouTube horror people know who Dead Meat James is because Dead Meat is an amazing uh, YouTube channel. I'm not the biggest fan of James, but I and and it's not even that it was that much of an original idea. It's an idea that literally everyone's ever had. Uh, but his his show Dead Meat on, on YouTube is that he does what he calls a kill count. Mm-hmm. So he recounts, you know, what happens in a movie, but tallies up the deaths and shows how everyone who dies in the movie dies. It's a brilliant fucking show. He's just a little kind of not my cup of tea when it comes to, you know, his demeanor and and, and, and the, the channel. But 
he also has millions of followers. I get him being in it because right. he is known as he's a person, a, a, a voice, a, you know, a personality in the horror genre. I get it. Right. Okay, that was fine. Right. I didn't like seeing James, but I, you know, I got why he was there. Why is Corey Taylor? I don't, I don't give a fuck why Corey Taylor likes or doesn't like the thing. Fuck him. I, I don't <laughs> care. See, and this is fascinating to me because I like you are a member of the the horror community, and I am not. I'm a I'm a rock. I am an island. Like I'm I'm fucking, uh, you know, I'm Paul Simon over here. Like I don't do any of this shit. I watch something. Like I listen to you. I listen to Susan. That's it. <laughs> like that's like literally that's it. If Susan's like, "Hey, this movie is great," I watch it. If you're like, "Hey, this movie is great," I watch it. Ooh, like, that, I think that probably works out better in your favor for her more than me. No, 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 no. that's not true at all. That's not true at all. So, but but to know just like there's this whole kind of community of like writers and people and and that's the thing like when I was in into games and stuff like writing about games like I was part of that too. So like I totally get it. Like I totally understand. And it's just fascinating kind of you know as like an outsider kind of looking in um kind of seeing where you know kind of these things go and you know this person maybe deserves more of a voice and Please. This person doesn't. And I, I'm so much more interested in what the craft services person has to say. About no shit, right? Any yeah. movie in that fucking doc that I am fucking Corey Taylor. <laughs> well, the craft services person probably knows who's an asshole and who isn't, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Oh. No, that's fine. So I um, think I was going to press buttons the way it did. But it here did, we are. Is, you know, sometimes <laughs> we all have things and it hits in a way and we don't expect it to. But um, in search of darkness, not in search of chaos, but you can probably find a little yeah. bit of chaos if you want. Sure. On, on Shudder. Um, please watch it. Don't Please don't let me turn you yeah, off. Yeah, it, no, it, really it is. is. I mean, for all of its faults, it is still extremely well done. It just, yes. it just the subject matter deserves... Like right. I would love a two and a half hour documentary on every year in that decade. Exactly that. It's such a steep part of, of horror history. It even at four hours and some change, it's impossible to give it the the attention it deserve. Like these yeah. movies deserve. Right. Yep. All right. So what do you want to do next? Uh. Well. Um. I have a feeling uh, you didn't particularly enjoy the pale door. Uh, uh, we can talk about it. It's not okay. So the pale door is um, it's like a west a horror western, mm-hmm. um, and it is uh, done by the same folks behind um, Scare Package. Scare Package, Aaron B. Coons, yeah, uh, which is also on Shutter, and you should right. watch. Here's the thing. It's not that I didn't enjoy it. It's just that Bone Tomahawk is the greatest horror western yeah. that I have seen yeah. in my lifetime. Yeah. If you want to expand your definition of horror and western, yeah. um, what's it? Uh, was it the, the Nightingale? Or... Uh, Oof! Is that the Babadook? Yeah, that yeah. was a western, though. It, but it kind of was. Um, that is my second 
saying the Nightingale is a favorite, I feel like paints me Oof. in <laughs> yeah. a light. I'm not comfortable because I was like, "What's your favorite? What's your second favorite horror western?" Well, it's about this woman who gets raped multiple times and hooks up with an aborigine who seems as feel watches multiple people in his tribe murdered. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, but anyway, let's just put. The Nightingale Aside, which is a fucking amazing movie, and you should sure. watch it, but just have support and tissues you're, on hand. You're going to hate yourself for watching it, but you need to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, going to stick with you for a while. So The Pale Door is a good movie, but I felt as if I couldn't get past mm. the budgetary constraints. Limitations. Yeah, same thing with Mohawk, right? It's sort of I similar. Like Mohawk was better. Yeah, so, well, production values wise, a different, sure. totally different. Uh, Mohawk was horror. Mohawk was not supernatural horror. Mohawk mm. was like straight up. Well, except she kept seeing that guy with the deer skull on his head and uh, stuff like. That. Yeah, but yeah, right. I kind of felt like there, there's, there were some similarities between these two stuff. So I, this was one that I was really excited for because I loved Scare Package. I thought it was, I was a great Scare Package. Is fucking great. Yeah, hilarious. It was funny. This yep. is Aaron B. Coontz kind of doing uh, a more serious tone of a film. Also, uh, one of my kind of things that I really enjoy is a good genre mashup. Mm-hmm. So when you put uh, Cowboys versus Witches, you've already got my attention. Um, Although Cowboys versus Aliens was a terrible fucking movie. It was. You know what? But I watched it. <laughs> so uh, did I. Because it was a genre mashup. <laughs> So did I. Yeah, but this, uh, yeah, I agree with you. It's a good movie that's that's only held back by, I think, its budgetary constraints. Mm-hmm. Although I yes. will say uh, I liked a lot of the cast, um, and I feel like some of them were somewhat miscast. Yeah. A movie like this, because I love Pat Healy to death. Love yeah. Pat Healy. Uh, he wasn't great in this. Um, um, and then... Uh, Oh fuck! I'm gonna fuck. Oh, uh, Stan Shaw, who I God, I know I've seen him in a million things, but I most well know him uh, from the Monster Squad, being uh, Sean's dad's partner, who, who never believed he, he asked when he's questioning yeah. the night security guard about the mummy and the Monster Squad. I laugh out loud every time, mm-hmm. every because he's not taking it seriously because mummies don't just walk away and he's a rational person he's fantastic in uh the pale door i actually yeah i liked him quite a bit i mean he had the i yeah no i i enjoyed him quite a bit yeah but the, yeah, i don't know man some other people like the kid from uh the kid from 13 reasons why who got the broom handle up his ass and then went to shoot up the school i don't know his name it's terrible <laughs> i'm sorry i feel so bad for him uh, yeah, but uh, the younger brother, the younger brother. Oh yeah, um, like yeah. he was acting his ass off. Devin Drew. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was man. He he gave this movie hundred and ten percent, and I feel like almost everybody else was at maybe eighty. Yeah. It's like, like he was showing emotion, and everybody else was just like, Ugh, I don't know. I'm gonna like, shoot some like, wishes in the face. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> So yeah, I, I think that um, I think there's a much better movie here in the script, uh, mm. and and I just I, I wish that uh, I and I think this is a good stepping stone from from Scare Package because I yes. think this will do well when it hits Shutter. Absolutely, and, yeah. And I, I feel like 
that's just going to open even more doors for, for Aaron Koontz to do bigger and better things uh, uh, in the future. But, you know, like you said, there are horror westerns that are really good. And this kind of falls on the lower end of that spectrum. There's even a there's a werewolf western that I I'll go to bat for every day because I fucking loved. It was called uh, Blood Moon. Mm-hmm. Loved it so much better than it had any rights. I don't know if I've seen that one. It's fantastic. It's so much better than it has any right to be, and it's straight up like this movie, but instead of witches, uh, a werewolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get trapped in a brothel. The werewolf's outside. It's the whole thing, the outlaws and all that shit. I feel like everyone in the West like. They just would like go do their job, and then they would like spend yeah, their money at a whorehouse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good times. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> oh, okay. So everything I feel like I know about the old west comes from Deadwood. And when you mention mm-hmm. a brothel, I just think of Trixie telling the one woman, "You've got like seven forms of cock breath." Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. If I learned nothing else from Deadwood, it's that cocksucker was a way more prevalent term than Switching. I ever knew. <laughs> like, San Francisco cockbrother. Cockbrother. Cock <laughs> <laughs> oh, my favorite thing was when Mr. Wu tried to explain to Swearingen that somebody stole the opium. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, San God, I wish, I'd have taught, I wish I'd have taught him something other than cocksucker. <laughs> like, any had, other word. <laughs> I had everything listed on my phone and I fucking lost it. Oh, here we go. Okay, no, I got it. All right, let's do random acts of violence left. Sure. I want to do right. I want to leave spree for last. Okay. Um okay, so random acts of violence is a somewhat comic book movie. So Jay Baruchel, I don't know Baruchel, if I pronounced yeah. that correctly. Baruchel. Yeah. Um yeah, I think that's right. Jesse uh let's see. Um, Jesse Williams, Jordana Brewster, Fast and Furious represent mm-hmm. what? Mm-hmm. Um, so Jesse Williams plays a um, comic book artist slash writer who is who writes a. They keep saying an R-rated comic, which I was like, "Do you read comics?" That's not mm-hmm. how they're <laughs> like, right. talked about. Uh, called the Slasher Man, which is mm-hmm. a um essentially he's writing a comic about a guy who murdered a bunch of people along a particular stretch of highway jordana brewster plays his girlfriend i don't think they're married who is writing a book of the victims of the slasher man jay barshell uh who if you ever watched um oh shit what was that movie with um fucking seth green and um with this like the, the apocalypse, ha- this is the end. Yes, so he he he's the guy that like Seth Green or uh, Seth Rogen, sorry, picks yeah. up from the the airport and they want to hang out before the apocalypse happens. He's like the the publisher for the comic. So the idea is that Jesse Williams writes this comic. He's like kind of fishing for an ending. He doesn't really know how to end this comic, so he decides to uh, kind of go from Ontario down to upstate New York. He's they're gonna hit some. Uh, radio stations along the way to talk about Slasher Man. They're going to hit a comic book shop uh, in Albany, New York. Albany, what's up? Represent uh, Albany High School, class of 90. Um, but then someone starts murdering people uh, based mm-hmm. on what he has written in his book, uh, mm-hmm. in his comic, and it kind of goes from there. It is a Shutter exclusive. So. Yes. Um, if you don't have a Shutter subscription, go ahead. Um, 
you, based on what we said before this, <laughs> I feel like you have more to say about it than I do. Yeah. So go ahead, do your thing. No, so so here's the thing. It's 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 uh, it's a fairly paint by number slasher. Uh, you you kind of see everything that happens coming from a mile away, uh, all that shit. And what you that basically what you said is exactly the plot. First, so for me, first of all, I, I love a good slasher, even if they're sure. kind of generic. Um, I love Jay Baruchel. Uh, he uh, wrote and directed uh, the sequel to The Goon. Yes, he did. Uh, I love the goon. I love the sequel. Uh, he's also a big comic book nerd. Yes, I love he that. Uh, he he's currently or was at one not currently but previously did write uh, for Chapter House Books. He got on as the writer for Captain Canuck uh, and wrote that. And I read that and I enjoyed it. Um, but here's the thing: I started this movie because it was like the new Shutter hotness. That's all I knew about it. Yeah, and then. Too. I started to see the names pop up and I'm like, Oh, Jay Baruchel. How fuck. Yeah. I'm in like I was in. Right. And then, uh, it said Jimmy, Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray. And I was like, huh, that's yeah. interesting. I didn't know it was a comic book movie. So I'm watching it and I see those names and I'm like, that's interesting. Like, yeah. cause they write comics. I know that cause I read comic books. And so I start to watch the movie and I'm like, I know this. Like, I'm familiar with this story. Really? Yes. And I'm like, why do I know this? And so I end up, I get on my phone, obviously, and I start to look at it. I own the comic this is based on. I no bought it shit. Back in 2000 and what, like early 2000s image book that it's based on, I own it. And I was like, wait, I've, I've read this. I know what this is. Really? So at that point, I, yeah, at that point, I was 1 million percent into it. I was like, fuck yeah, I remember this book. I couldn't so, go so pull it out. Slasher Man to. is like an actual like image book. No, the movie, the movie is based on a book called A Random Act of Violence. No, it's the shit. same story as this movie. It's it's about a guy who was a comic book artist who based uh, a mature comic on a series of actual killings, all that shit. And I was like, oh, God, I know this. And so once I looked into it, I was like. No shit. I have this book. I remember getting it. I enjoyed it. It was like a one shot from Image in the early 2000s. Wow. And I and I got that, it. That feels it feels like was, something I would have also gotten because I was like super yeah. into that shit back at the time. Yeah, it was. I got it because it was Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin yeah. Gray. Like they that duo had been writing a lot of things that I enjoyed. I don't remember the artist, and I, and I looked it up the other night, and I was like, that's right. And I don't remember who it was now, but. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like I owned this comic, and so when when I started the movie and I realized what it was, it sparked that memory, and I was like, "Shit!" And then, uh, it, like, I want to dig the book back out and reread it now, having watched the movie, because like it's like it wasn't bad. It just was fairly, you know, a paint by number slasher thing. But it's you know, it, it, thanks to the comic book ties to it, like I got super into it, and I want to read the book again now. Huh. That's interesting. I had no idea that it was like an actual book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my 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 complaint with it was just I don't like I don't know. So similarly to how like okay, um, when we watched um, Black Coat's Daughter, mm-hmm. it was like the casting of this is such that I don't necessarily believe that mm-hmm. this 
you know, young woman would then end up being this, you know, would kind of look like this when she grew up. Right. But like, I've seen Jesse Williams in Cabin on the Woods. Mm. I had no idea he was black. <laughs> because he's very light-skinned. He's got green eyes, so he, you know, so, yeah. like, and they don't mention it as a thing, so, like, and maybe and that worked fine, but like there when the big reveal, like they kept showing this young black kid seeing a thing, and I was like, "Oh shit, that's right. him!" Like, and that's right. me. Like, that's all on me. Like, I'll take that hundred percent. But yeah. it, I, like the, I was just like, "Wait, what?" Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it was also just I don't know. Like, I was okay with it. Yeah. It it was. I, I'll watch anything Shutter puts up because. I mm. want them to, you know, kind of, you know, survive as a as a service. But I don't know if it was like all that great of a movie. Sure, I guess is is sure. kind of well. The, the, you know, the other the other kind of prompting thing behind me putting it on. I watched it. Um, I think it was last Sunday night. Actually, uh, I was watching a hockey game and it went off at like eight, mm. and I was like, well, and almost everything else that I have, like that I mentioned to watch, is like close to two hours and this is like literally like 70, 87 minutes. minutes or something right. yeah and i was like yeah yeah i can do that yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how many things i pick based on length that, i'm like yep, yep <laughs> nope can't watch the two hours 40 minutes not happening <laughs> yeah not tonight right it's just that <laughs> but i'm so glad i did because like i said it reminded me of a thing that i i read one time put down and hadn't thought about for fucking probably almost 20 years 15 years or so and uh, now i'm excited to like revisit it so yeah i'll have to see if i have that because there's so many like image books like that like i bought the same thing i was like i, I kind of bought it as a one shot and i'm like oh maybe i have it maybe i don't mm-hmm. okay so like last movie and this is a movie that honestly it take me it took me a while to get into because um I fucking hate this whole kind of influencer Instagram, <laughs> you know, like anybody who follows either one of us on Twitter or like Facebook knows that we don't do anything <laughs> at all to promote this show on no. those <laughs> platforms because I fucking hate them. I feel like it's fine. Like I'll doom scroll all day on Twitter. Don't get me wrong. I will not be on Facebook. I think fucking Facebook is evil, like straight yeah. up. But in Instagram, I have not, I don't have an account. I've never been on it, but this idea of this notion of folks trying to make a living um, on these platforms um, and what that would feel like. Like my favorite thing is Penny Arcade has a t-shirt that says stream like no one is watching. And that's <laughs> me, right? Like I stream every night. I can maybe get one person, maybe two people like at my highest point, you know, I don't know how many I've had, but this idea that like, there's all these folks out there, like putting out all these videos, all this content that nobody watches because there's just way too many of them. And that brings us to uh, Spree. Um, So Kurt Kunkel, uh, played by uh, Joe Keery, who you know from Stranger Things, uh, if you've watched him. Uh, And then David Arquette is in this as well as uh, Sashir. um, I'm going to, like, totally get her name wrong. Sashir Zamata. 
Um, so so um, Joe Keery plays this hapless loser, uh, Kurt Kunkel, uh, Kurt's World 97. <laughs> uh, he's been making, right. 96, whatever. He's been making, you know, Instagram, Twitter, whatever videos for like 10 years with no viewers, no followers, oh. no traction. And then he decides as a spree driver. So spree is not just the title of this movie. It's also the name of the, the ride share service, which I was talking to my wife about. It. I was like, I don't think that was the one thing I didn't like about this movie. I felt like spree was like, nobody would get in a car <laughs> for a right. service called spree because the only two things you associate with the world spree is a killing spree and a mm-hmm. shopping spree, and ain't nobody taking you to the fucking mall. <laughs> and a sour candy. And a sour candy. <laughs> so, um, so after ten years of obscurity making videos, he decides to uh, make a series of videos under hashtag the lesson. The lesson. Where he essentially murders a bunch of people, and. Mm. I fucking hated this movie for the first 30 minutes. Oh, okay, because I hated the whole thing. I hated this movie for the first 30 (laughs) minutes when it was him just, like, desperately begging for follows and whatnot. But what's it kind of gain traction? And then Mm -hmm. it came full circle when he Mm -hmm. did his thing with all of it. And then it came back around to what the premise of making a movie called Spree was called. I was like, for the world we live in right now... It's fucking brilliant that I have no interest in ever watching again. I agree. It's like Host. I thought Host was way better, but yes. I I hated this. Oh god, I hate I despised it from the start to the finish. And it, why is it because of, I'm too old for it. It's yeah. just this movie is definitely not for someone my age because I hate like you said. I hate all this shit. I hate these fucking douchebag kids, these privileged kids who were like, oh, I'm just filming myself doing some random bullshit and 10 million yeah. people are going to look at it. I don't fuck you. I don't care. Right. And so and so to turn that into a horror movie, uh, I think is, for the times is a fucking brilliant idea. But that doesn't make me hate this shit any less than I already do. Yeah. But but you hate it because you recognize the value that it has to such a large Oh yeah, absolutely. Population, and you recognize what this movie says about that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So it is extremely effective in what it does because, and even like you know, the whole thing is like Kurt gets like he picks up this you know um, Sashir. She's a she's a comedian. Her whole thing, her whole act is based on you know, take my picture. You know, all like, eyes on me. All eyes on me. Right, like this <laughs> idea of being like out in front of the public and their whole, and it's just, it is a fucking amazing takedown of this whole culture of likes and follow for follow. And she's like, nobody says follow for follow. Like, and you just feel so bad for Kurt because Joe Keery does such an amazing job of just inhabiting him of this fucking loser who sees like, like the whole thing is like this one kid that he fucking babysat now has like a million followers yeah. and he just wants right. that. He wants to latch onto that. 
And oh yeah. my God, like my kid wants to be a YouTuber. Thankfully, he's not going to go like murder people. But like you see this like, you know, kind of YouTube, Instagram, these influencers, these, these, these YouTubers, like that's their, that's their athletes. That's their movie stars. That's their right. TV stars. Like that's what they want to do. And when you, and, and this movie just like fucking takes that shit down so much. And, but yet, at the same time, at the core of it is just like a sad white dude who wants to kill people. And how many fucking times have we seen that? Right. Like he's killing these folks because he didn't get enough likes on his videos. He didn't get enough yeah. views. Yeah. But this is a movie like Host where you're going to watch it 10 years, 20 years from now. And you're going to be like, well, that was a very specific <laughs> specific <laughs> time and place and i'm yeah. sure it was scarier it meant more in that very specific time but mm. 20 years removed eh yeah that was and now so yeah i certainly will never watch it again <laughs> oh i i don't watch it I, you know i don't want to watch it either but i just <laughs> I agree with you a million percent about what it does. And I think that uh, she, uh, uh, Sashir was hands down the best part of the movie for yes. me. Um, and I like David Arquette. Uh, you know, it was, I didn't know he was in it. I watched it knowing nothing about it. Uh, <laughs> then you said to watch it. And I was like, okay. And uh, when he showed up, I was like, whoa, that's fucking David Arquette. Cause I, this is how little I've watched of Stranger Things. I didn't fucking know that was a Stranger Things guy until oh, I like, really? yeah, yeah, it was over, and I was like, "Why the fuck did he want me to watch this?" <laughs> so- he's he's actually like <laughs> I I okay. So my relationship with Stranger Things is one where I wish I liked it as much as everybody else does. Same. Oh my god. Same here. You know, I was really sad when Sean Astin died. I was like, I would like a, a Stranger Things spinoff where it's just Sean Astin going. And being- I didn't know he did. I got through the first season, and it was a slog for me. He <laughs> dies in the second. Oh, spoiler okay. alert! Okay. <laughs> I'm never gonna watch it. Don't worry. <laughs> no, I mean it's, for anybody it's listening, of, but I don't. It, it's one of those shows I watch, and I'm like, yeah, that was okay, and I don't enjoy it nearly as much as everybody else does. Yeah. But. um uh, Joe Keery in this the the third season of Stranger Things has he has a really great like character arc and he's um, I really enjoyed his performance in in that season but um, but yeah this movie is hyper specific like yeah. hyper and I say that in the hopes <laughs> that twenty years from now. None of us understand. Twenty years from now, we would all be like, "Oh yeah, no, I totally get it," and I'll be like, "You know what? I'm out." <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say yeah. While we're all like remembering the documentary that was Ready Player One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, in terms of movies, I don't really know what. Okay, uh, I know for sure. Um, I want to watch Bill and Ted. Yep. I haven't seen it yet. I want to watch New Mutants. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, but and then, you're not going to go to a theater to see that because it's oh, not no. going to be like streaming thought, for quite a uh, while. It is, stream- it is right? I, I was going to watch it. On, I was going to go to the theater. Is streaming, it? Right? I thought it was only I in the theater. It, 
Oh, is it? Well, fuck that. I think okay, so. never mind. Uh, but no, uh, there's a, a Shutter La Llorona. It's not the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blo- I want to watch that watch... and then the Shed. Those yeah, things. the Shed. Yes. Yep. 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 So that's a, yeah, that's a precursor for next show. Some of that will probably be talked about at least. <laughs> yeah. And then um, I I didn't get into it uh, tonight at all. I played um, the Avengers beta, which. Uh, ooh. <laughs> say leave it. That's my that's my. If you want to know how do I feel about the Avengers oh, beta, ooh. That's it. But I have, um, like a cliffhanger for next episode. <laughs> yeah, so so next episode I will definitely probably have that um so that I can get. So, um, you know, the beta was I, I give Square Enix Squeenix um a lot of credit because they really did open up a lot of the game for folks mm-hmm. to play. Unfortunately, oh it gave it a very disjointed feel. So I'm interested in kind of getting into it from a story perspective and seeing mm-hmm. like how all the parts fit together, but I will definitely have more to say about it. I also, um, Anna Pura, uh, on the switch, they had like a huge sale. It's still ongoing. So I picked up a uh, donut County and, mm-hmm. um, a couple other games. So I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of getting more into those. Um, but we are getting into, um, the traditional kind of holiday game season, which also doesn't feel like a traditional holiday game season. So right. we'll kind of see how it goes. Um, but whatever it is we decided to talk about, hopefully you'll be with us uh, in the next two weeks. So uh, for myself and Mitch, uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us. This has been episode what is it? 102. 102. Thank you. So I always know <laughs> here. The only time I know what the episode is, is like literally five seconds before I hit the button to start recording. I ask Mitch, what episode number is this? And he tells me, and I keep it in my brain for the next five seconds so that I can say welcome to, but then over the course of recording the show, it leaves. It goes. <laughs> it goes. So, um, Hopefully you'll be with us uh, in the next two weeks for whatever it is we decide to talk about. So for myself and Mitch, this has been episode 102. Thank you. Um, and uh, <laughs> Thank you so much for hanging out with us, and we hope you'll be with us uh, in the next two weeks. Uh, Labor Day is between now and the next show, so, you know, whatever. Have a safe Labor Day. Take a day off. Enjoy yourself. Uh, be good to one another. Wear a mask if you're going out and you can't socially distance. Just... Mm-hmm. Be safe. Uh, so for myself and Mitch, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We look forward to spending some more time with you in the next two weeks. So thank you again. Good night and have a good evening. <laughs>